Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome back Greg. Greg is a self-admitted alcoholic and addict who is actively working on the recovery by helping others who struggle with addiction. They're currently working as a delivery driver and doing aesthetics on the side. Their recovery is stronger and more focused than ever. Please welcome Greg. We were, it was a group of guys, and um, I'm not going to get into details, but uh, it wasn't consensual. Yeah. And um, I ended up telling my my roommate, the client, about it, and um, he turned that into... Um, you turn that into if you're having panic attacks, you should drink some alcohol to calm down. And um, when I was drunk, he would give me Molly and I would sober up and say, Hey, I don't want Molly anymore. And he would use the Molly as a way to get me horny and um, do things. And like we had our set schedule and it was happening a lot more often and it was because of the drug and not because I wanted to and so um he ended up doing that to somebody else while I wasn't there and um they told the police and he was going away for a long time um but to get out of going away he committed suicide wow and yeah, in the house that I was living at. And um, I, all of my stuff was there. Um, and so it all got, it all got tossed. Um, wow. So I was like, starting at nothing. I had a few things that got moved to a friend's house before his family tossed it all. But um, so I have like pictures and things that matter. Not like I don't care about a dresser (laughs) (laughs) but the pictures are irreplaceable dresser you can find one on the street corner (laughs) true true so um i stopped doing the molly um and i i thought you know what would be great for me right now dating (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready. Get ready. I'm ready, boys. Here I come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, I just need a man to fix my problems. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> so I started uh dating. Um and I had a best friend who was a drug addict that I didn't know about. Um but the guy that I was dating was really into coke. And I had never done it before. Um, and I was like, wow, this is like this is like the best energy pill I've ever had. <laughs> and um, so I got into Coke. And then when my friend found out that um, 
that I was doing coke, she was like, oh, have you ever tried a needle with coke? And so she taught us both how to shoot up. Um, and so I became an IV drug user for a while, um, which like, I don't have any track marks on my arms, but I have one scar from, um, from shepherd's pie that's crazy to me <laughs> like all the needles and things i did in my arms and shepherd's pie is what gets me right and you're like what is going on? that's so funny <laughs> um so she um she ended up dying of a heroin overdose um pretty recently and that was what i relapsed um most recently over i reached out to that ex and said i hope you're not still using and he is and um that's not that's not my place to worry about anymore um yeah. i stopped doing iv drugs and coke and all drugs in general um like eight a little over eight years ago mm -hmm. um and that i still joke about it but it's true i I only have eight years clean from drugs because nobody was offering it to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also, I stopped putting myself in situations where people would offer it to me. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I am doing something about that actively. And, um, and I broke up with him to get away from the drugs because when I said I wanted to stop, he wasn't, in the same headspace um and i just couldn't be around it and um then fast forward to um the pandemic which made it really easy to stay home and drink all day mm -hmm. and um I was getting the pandemic money and basically I had more money than I knew what to do with. Like I, I couldn't drink fast enough yeah. to spend it. Mm -hmm. And I was staying home and my roommates were crazy, but I was also crazy. And um, so I can't, I can't throw blame on other people without taking it too. Cause um, yeah. I'm the crazy. Um, I was staying in my room all the time and I remember looking out the window and just thinking, wow, these people are leaving the house. That's insane to me. Yeah. Like, still had jobs and things they left the house for. Mm -hmm. And my entire world was inside four walls. Yeah. Um, and it stayed like that for a long time to the point that um, I didn't send in the paperwork that had to be sent in to verify that I deserved the pandemic money um and so they cut it off mm -hmm. and then i could no longer afford my rent and the only thing i could think about was um i'm gonna have to move back in with my parents and that's not an option yeah and so i i didn't want to die but i didn't want to continue living the way that i was living and i didn't see any alternative so i tried to commit suicide um when i failed at it um i called a friend because i was really hopeless and there was nothing else i could think to do and she took me to the er and made me tell what i had done 
which was the start of my journey, mm -hmm. my sobriety journey. Um, I did not say that I was an alcoholic when I went to the ER. And um, so I got sectioned in a mental hospital mm -hmm. and I detoxed there. And I still, I had tried to find AA, like I've been trying to get sober for 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I had tried to find help and gone to AA 12 years ago and nobody said hi to me and I only heard other people's problems so I didn't go back mm -hmm. so this time when I went to that mental hospital um I wasn't trying to find AA I, I just looked up um gay and sober and your group came up that's and, <laughs> yeah so um I had just convinced my parents to let me move back in with them. Mm -hmm. um, I was reluctantly there, and um, and I went to your group. We had that bow and arrow event. Um, I lied about my sobriety, and um, <laughs> oh yeah, I predicted the future. Yeah, yeah I predicted, predicted the future. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> um, and then I, I got, I went to um, an AA meeting because mm -hmm. somebody from your group recommended it. Yeah. And it was Jaywalkers in Boston was the first group I had found. And I remember walking in and being very intimidated. And like, I have never seen this many sober homosexuals in a room. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Because I had only been around that many gay people in, in a nightclub. Mm -hmm. And uh, where everybody's walking around looking like a zombie. Yeah. And I, that was me, too, because I thought I was, like, the hottest person in there with, like, the one lazy eye and, like, <laughs> <laughs> dancing on the bar, spilling my drink on everybody around me. Like, right. you can't touch this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, getting into fights with the bouncers. <laughs> um. Mm -hmm. I I just remember that first meeting, um, I went in and I compared myself to everybody else. And one thing that I've learned recently is to identify, don't compare. Mm -hmm. They say that a lot in AA. Um, I know AA isn't for everybody, but it is really saving my life right now. Um, I got a sponsor that day and I don't have the same sponsor. Um, cause I was really mean to him oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was an angry alcoholic <laughs> and I wanted, I walked in there and I wanted everybody to want to be, I wanted everybody to want to come save me. And I didn't want to have to tell anybody that I was struggling and yeah. I'm not sure how that would have worked, but, um, I wanted people to like come in and heard me and be like, come here, everything's going to be okay. And me to just be like, no, really, I don't want the help. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and then be like, no, really, we're here for you. And you'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> um, so I, I started going to jaywalkers and that my sponsor was like, how many meetings are you doing a week? And I was like, jaywalkers. And yeah. he was like, I need you to go to like at least five meetings a week. And I was like, I don't do anything five times a week except for drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> and so um, 
I started doing it, but I was only doing the game meetings. There's a mm -hmm. lot of them in Boston. Um, and the game meetings are great. They were exactly what I needed when I needed. But then I also have a lot of um, internal issues with the gay community because of my own issues with myself. Yeah. Um, like I felt rejected and you, I, I've spoken to so many people about it and we all think that we're the only one who's ever felt this way, but it happens a lot in our community where we all feel like we don't fit in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's how I felt. So I was going and it was, it was, it was the dress up meeting. Like I would go and present myself to be doing better than I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I would wear nicer clothes than I usually wore because I wanted to look like I was doing good and fit in with everybody. And um, that was great until until I needed a meeting and I lived an hour away and the liquor store was three seconds down the street. Yeah. Um, so what I found was that I need I needed to join a group that was closest to my home. Yeah. Um, my home group now is Rockland Wednesday night. Um, I can walk there in 30 seconds. Um, when I first went to that meeting after my last relapse, um, they, the lights were too bright and I found a bunch of reasons not to go back and people reached out and said, uh, so I'll see you at this next meeting, right? And it was it was really that that kept me going. And it, they worded it so that it wasn't a question. It felt like I was breaking plans if I didn't go. Yeah. They were just like, I'll see you here. And I would be like, you didn't even ask if I wanted to be there. <laughs> um, but I had nothing else going on. And I, um, and I hate um, breaking plans, although I did it a lot. <laughs> um, so I went to a lot of meetings and I started doing 90 and 90, 90 meetings in 90 days. I, by the time I was done, I did probably 400 meetings in 90 days. Wow. Um, I went and I learned to knit because I went and sat with so much anxiety um, being in the room. And now I'm, I'm knitting this giant um, scarf blanket. There <laughs> you go. Um, but I, it took me two, two months to knit my first scarf. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was three months before Christmas. And I remember finishing the scarf and thinking, wow, so I'm going to knit everybody Christmas gifts there we go. and save something. Mm -hmm. So, um, it took me two, two months to knit that, um, one scarf. And I had three months left until Christmas and 10 scarves to make. Quick, Nick, quick. Yeah, I, I uh, clearly did not stay for math. <laughs> math class. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, Christmas Day, I finished my last scarf and I handed them all out and everybody opened them up and was like, oh, a gift. And then moved on to the next one. And I was like, that took me months. <laughs> but right, right. You're like, um, oh, right. <laughs> but it, I just remember like that helped save me and stayed stay in the room. So um, 
now I tell anybody that's having trouble being in the rooms, if they need something to fidget with or coloring book or whatever you need, like teach yourself something to stay there and listen yeah. to what you can listen. Yeah. I also, my mind was racing in early sobriety. So I, I brought a notebook and a pen and I wrote down everything that I heard mm -hmm. because I wasn't able to process it in the moment. So I could go back and read it later. Yeah. Um, and that really helped me. And now I have those journals to look back on to where mm -hmm. my head was in like days, early sobriety when um, everything made me want to drink. I'd be like, wow, I just closed that door and it hit me on the ass. I want to drink over that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I could justify anything. Like I woke up a human today. I want to drink. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's our, that's our addict's mind for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I joined multiple groups today. Um, I started a group, um, Friends of Dorothy in Rockland. It meets on Saturdays at 7. It started around a fire pit in my backyard, and it was just a few homos sitting around talking about sobriety. Um, and now we've had, we've had a holiday party. We um, signed up and did a, a commitment for New Year's. Awesome. We spoke in Hull and everybody did really good. I'm really proud to be part of this group and helping them and helping others has really like taken me out of my own problems. Mm -hmm. Life isn't great today. I'm still like two months behind on my rent, but I'm sober. Yeah. And life is better because I'm sober. Mm -hmm. um, nobody ever said that it was always going to be sunny. They said that you can dance in the rain. <laughs> Sorry, that I love that. That's great. Um, so who's one of your big supporters? Who do you want to like shout out that's been with you through this journey? Uh, I have so many. I'm not sure I could just say one. <laughs> um, Take a couple then. Uh, so John from Jaywalkers was the first person um, I met that took me around and said, hey, take down these people's phone numbers and send them good morning texts. Yeah. And that was, on day one, that was what kept me coming. Um, with just getting another good morning text, like knowing that I mattered enough for somebody to wake up and send that to me mm -hmm. um, because I didn't matter to myself. Um, there's Ruby. Um, so... Ruby is non-binary and uses they, them also, and has been um, a huge inspiration in my own self-discovery recently, as I'm realizing that I also identify as non-binary and is such an inspiration as far as recovery goes, because this person is 18 years old and wow. has um, seven months of sobriety. I know I, that's their story to tell. I don't want to get too much into <laughs> it, but... Um, it's just very inspiring seeing somebody else, especially somebody that young, putting in as much effort as I'm seeing and going on commitments and joining groups and dragging other people through sobriety also. Um, it, I, I don't know, I couldn't ask for a better group of people, um, which is crazy because when I first got to the rooms, it was all me versus this group of drunks. Yeah, and now now it's like these people are family, and 
I know I can walk into any meeting around here and somebody can try and slander my name and it doesn't matter because they know they know my character, my actions have spoken. So um that's all I got. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's I know for such a young person, I'm always sometimes sometimes shocked by some sobriety stories of people who are so young, and to have someone really be like a good role model for you is at that age is great. And and rediscovering yourself is a huge part of sobriety. That's why we're here, you know, to really get back to who we are. I think is really great. Um, yeah. So now that you are sober, what are some plans for your future? What would you like to do with your sobriety? What are some things you'd like to have happen in your life? Um, so I became an esthetician to leave escorting mm -hmm. and I always thought that my goal was to have a spa someday, but I'm getting so much out of helping other alcoholics that um, I kind of want to be a drug and alcohol counselor um, Love that. or maybe go back to school to be an RN and work in the fields that way. All I know is that I, I see helping other people stop suffering the way that I suffered as part of my future. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. So if you could give one piece of advice to a newly sober person, what would it be? Um, join, join a group closest to your house. Um, listen and um, identify. Don't compare. Mm -hmm. um, I compared and it kept me away from the rooms. Mm -hmm. um, say, hi, I'm new. I'm, I, do you wanna change numbers to somebody at the table with you? Send a good morning text and I, yeah, just finding a group that's like walking distance to your house is really important because if you have to go out of your way to get to a meeting, then when you're having a craving, you're not gonna make it there. Yeah, exactly. You're not gonna you're not gonna make the effort if you're just in that headspace for sure. So if you could give some advice to someone who has a family member who is currently in active addiction, what would that advice be? I actually know the answer to this because I just had to do it. <laughs> um, it would be to uh, I wish somebody had told my family this or the people in my life that were dealing with me to um, go to Al-Anon and it's a group of you don't have to be an alcoholic to go. You just, it's people going and talking about alcoholics in their lives and it's a great place for support. And um, I might not have the best answers because I am an alcoholic. So yeah. um, it's always, I think better to have a group setting when you're struggling with something and get multiple views on how to deal with it because um, we're all sick and suffering. Like you don't know, one person's view might not be the best fit for you. So get a few. Yeah. Um, and that's really a great place to do it. For sure. For sure. So of course, as you know, since you started your sobriety journey with Sober Gay Sunday, what would be like your dream Sober Gay Sunday event? Like if you could do anything with our group, go anywhere, do anything, what would it be? I, I've thought a lot about this and um, I feel like if, I say this answer, then it's going to help make it happen because I've heard it before. Uh -huh. um, skydiving. There we go. <laughs> I saw it, I, a bunch of the guys like Nick and Alex and stuff. They did go skydiving like this summer. Yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. So that's listen, let's do it. <laughs>
Yeah, that would be awesome. I've never been and I've, I've heard it shared at meetings. Like if you're having, um, if you're feeling like your sobriety is boring, go skydiving. <laughs> I wild. That'd be so cool. So I got to, I mean, I, I'll, I got to look into that. I think that'd be a great, great one. Yeah. So we're kind of wrapping up this interview. Where can people find you if they want to find you on social media? I, um, so for the friends of Dorothy meeting, um, yeah. I'm one of the admins for for the band app. Um, we don't, we kind of copied your group and put our group on band because it's um, it's easier to regulate new members and not having to make new threads and things. Yeah. Um, so it's Friends of Dorothy on band. Um, I'm on there with my group. We're a great group. Um, we're all alcoholics. <laughs> I, yeah, that's really where I would recommend. I'm not even sure what my other social medias are right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll definitely point people towards the band um, Friends of Dorothy app. That's uh, really great. I love that. Um, so I just want to thank you for being on. Your story was really compelling and really inspirational, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So glad that we did this. Me too. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at SoberGaySunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay sober guys. I'm so sick of small talking, tell me something jaw-dropping, hit me on the head with your biggest mistakes. I don't want your daily drama, fill me in on family traumas, tell me all the medication that you take. Life's so short, we blink so fast to not say anything at all. It's wasted breath, you don't get back. So make it anything but small, small talking.